Music show of your favorite pop stars. What's going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of Pop Muse, the pop music trivia show of your favorite stars. And for those of you joining us for the first time, we scour the internet and find lesser known facts about some of the legends, big names, mega stars, or what I always say, some cool cats from the international and national stage to fill you in on. And after this episode, let's see if you know as much as you think you know about some of these big icons in music. I'm TJ Reed, and I got Mr. Liu Yen in the studio. What's going on, man? Great. I always look forward to doing this show with you, and I just love the phrase, cool cats, for the record. <laughs> for sure, for sure. You got somebody special that you want to share with us today? Oh, super special. All right. She is one of the iconic Chinese singers. Especially in Chinese speaking territories,、mm-hmm. she is considered like the Chinese version of the Janet Michael duo. Oh man, you're、She's、raising, you're raising the bar now. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Well, looking forward to hearing who this person is, how their music sounds, and、uh, why this person you know, resonates so much with Mr. Liu here. For me, I got somebody that's really special, very cultural, and a kind of a game changer when it comes to music.、Um, she's well known throughout the US,、uh, Europe, and throughout the African continent as well. Not sure if she has much of a presence in Asia, but she's certainly someone that people should know all over the world and、uh, kind of a pioneer in、um, what she did and how she did it. So. I'm looking forward to putting you up on who this person is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you said she doesn't have much of a presence here in China. So if I do get this right, I would feel like, yeah, I have done a good job. We'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, before we get started,、uh, we also want to drop our disclaimer for all of our listeners out there that all of the facts that we find for the show are internet based and sometimes they may be a little outdated, could possibly be erroneous. So if there are any errors or anything that you know that might be different, please reach out to us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you and hopefully we can update that onto a later episode. So now that we are done and We've、uh, covered our bases. Why don't we go ahead and get cracking with this trivia? Are you, are you ready, Mr. Liu? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> so ready. All right, all right. So, fact number one this is according to Mental Floss and Wikipedia.、Uh, this artist is, was the daughter of a Methodist minister, and that was her mother, and a barber, dry cleaner, and entertainer. So, I guess her father was dabbled in、uh, music a little bit, and she was raised in the church. And she learned how to play the piano by ear at the age of three. That's where she started playing the piano, which I think is kind of cool.、Um, she was the sixth of eight children, some sources say seven children, in a poor family. So, yeah, it's not unusual for people to get started in the church. I mean,、um, the church is a very musical place. I have a little bit of experience in、yeah. the church, too, singing、okay. a little bit. Yeah, let's move on a little bit more here. Her talent in piano was quite exceptional, and、uh, she began taking classical piano lessons. 
And at that time, she had to cross the railroad tracks to, quote, the white part of town to study classical piano for free lessons, which she adored. Mm -hmm. And this is a time frame where it's very segregated. You know, different races, predominantly black and whites, lived in different parts of town. And you didn't really cross over. I mean, you did at your own risk because it was very dangerous. And at that time of her life, her aim was to be the first black classical pianist in America. Wow. Ambitious. uh, Yeah, at that age, right? And uh, it was on this journey that she encountered a lot of racism as a young girl. And that kind of paved the way for her in her career to try to, uh, I guess, make some changes. So this was a start to... Uh, I guess we get our personality from all kinds of different places. Some people say it's from your parents. Some people say it's from your, um, you know, what you've experienced in life. But um, at the age of 12, this artist, well, she was doing well in her classical piano tutoring or lessons, and she had a recital. But at that time, at the recital, her parents were told that they needed to sit in the back so that white white people could sit in the front. Mm -hmm. And at that age, I guess she got really upset. And she says that I'm not going. She refused to play until her parents were brought to the front. And I don't know. I think that she's like the musical version of Rosa Parks. (laughs) Right. So that that was, I think, again, another trigger that kind of pushed her into the kind of person that she was uh, for her career. And her parents eventually did get to the front and she was able to perform that recital. So, yeah, that was. And again, I just want to enunciate here that this was a period of time where racism was rampant and, you know, segregated towns, as I mentioned earlier, public facilities were unequal, you know, a lot of places like you couldn't use the bathroom or if you were were a certain race and, you know, the buses, as you mentioned, Rosa Parks, you can't sit down. If you're sitting down and someone white comes on, you have to stand up or you have to go to the back of the bus, this type of thing. Jim Crow laws were quite prevalent. And for those that are not familiar with Jim Crow laws, these are just really, really racist laws to keep America separate and unequal. You know, they had something like called sundown towns, where if you go to these towns and it's after a certain hour, you could be you could be attacked. You could be, you know, found the next morning hanging from a tree. You know, if you're a woman, you could be raped. I mean, all kinds of things can Mm -hmm. happen if you go to some of these places where they don't want you. So this is the kind of time frame that uh, this person was living in. Uh, We're going to move on now to fact number two. And this is according to Wikipedia and The Young Vic, which is a UK theatrical authority. Her music teacher set up a fund for her to go to college. And with her grades, she got uh, a lot of scholarships. Apparently, she was one of the top in her class for school. So she was quite smart. She graduated uh, valedictorian in her uh, high school class. And she studied at the prestigious Juilliard School of Medicine. Mm. Um, And that was she was there for a while before she applied to uh, Philadelphia's Curtis Institute of Music. But unfortunately, she was denied admission. And to this, I mean, for a long time, and for some reason, this institute kept coming back and back again in her research that she held that it was because of, again, at that time, the racism. They didn't want her into the school. Her whole family had moved to Philadelphia because, I mean, because of her grades. And I think that they felt that she was going to get in. But 
she uh, was rejected. So unfortunately, that was what kind of pushed her to start doing whatever she could to survive. And she started to work in a lot of these uh, what you would call bars and places to perform and, uh, and do music. So yeah, to fund her livelihood, she worked at a particular nightclub in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and she had to do that low-key because she grew up in the church. Her mother was a minister or a pastor, and this is, at this time, considered the, quote, devil's music. So (laughs) she could not really, because, you know, in those bars and those clubs, I mean, I love the music. I think we, a lot of us do, but they sing about love. They sing about romance. They sing about, you know, sex and all of these kinds of things. So this is a huge no-no in in the church. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what it was branded at that time. But that was where she was. And that's what she, you know, needed to do to survive. So she started to sing and play in these places and she changed her name to uh, a name that her uh, boyfriend at the time uh, gave her and so that was a way to kind of escape her mom if her name kind of got big it would be a different name and then she named uh, she changed her last name to a famous French actress that I will not name at this time Okay. (laughs) Mr. Liu's face is looking up in the air like he's really thinking. Yes, I am thinking hard. (laughs) So, yeah, that was something that she was doing at that time. And it eventually pushed her into, it gave her a lot more confidence in the world of music. And uh, it was during that time she got married to a guy in the music scene. Um, Somebody that was, you know, he was involved in music, but he wasn't really someone, not a big name, no one particularly big in music. But unfortunately, that relationship didn't work out. But anyway, we're going to keep it moving. Fact number three, and this is according to Wikipedia. She released her debut album, which was a success. And I want to name the album's title, the title of the album. But it's again, it's too famous. It's a little bit in this world of music. It's a little bit famous. And I'm concerned that Mr. Liu is going to get the answer right now. (laughs) So I'm going to hold that for a little bit later. Um, but this album was a success. And but due to record industry business practices at the time, she sold her rights outright for three thousand American dollars mm. at that time and lost more than a million in royalties um, and never really benefited from the album sales. So, yeah, at that time, I mean, those record execs were shady. And mm. I mean, I guess on one side, they're taking a risk on a new singer. They're not sure if it's going to make money or not. And they might lose money in the process. But. If the person is a success, then that person loses out on a lot. And that was a really common practice back in those days, unfortunately. Unfortunately, indeed. And I think that probably has a lot to do with the fact that she is African-American. Yeah. And also she is a female. Yes. Yes. It happened a lot more in with that situation. So her album that was really successful, her notable tracks on that album, and I think I'm just going to share one. Okay. And that was um, I Love You, Porgy. This was a really, really famous song at that time. And there was another, but I will not share that at this time. Okay. (laughs) Again, it's too famous, right? Uh, All right, we're going to keep going. Her next record label relinquished all creative control to her. So she ended up leaving this company and going to another one. And she had all the creativity in her hands. And she had a live album with them as well. And these these albums were a huge success. And then it was at that time she got married again to a former firefighter, police officer. And he actually managed her career at that point. 
and they had a daughter together. But because of a lot of different reasons, that relationship became a bit tumultuous and they had to separate due to his psychological and physical abuse to try to, quote, keep her in line. And um, again, at that time, uh, spousal abuse was more accepted, almost like it was something that was uh, it's a private matter. It's your business. And there weren't really a lot of laws um, against this practice, unfortunately. So this was um, a really, really um, ugly situation. And it wasn't until the 80s that this artist was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And that encompassed violent outbursts and just, you know, the highs and lows of what that condition uh, brings. Uh, there was one, this is according to Wikipedia, this artist at one time shot at a record executive for stealing royalties with a gun. And she said that she tried to shoot him to kill him, but missed. <laughs> so oh, she thank was, goodness she yeah, missed. she missed, right? And she was really serious um, a lot of times, but then when she was really happy or feeling good, I mean, obviously, these emotions were really, really extreme. Uh, in a tell-all interview with the Daily Mail newspaper in 2014, her daughter talked a little bit about, you know, her relationship with her mother and how her mother could be a monster at times, uh, but also how the father didn't really have a good relationship and was never really around, but came back really to get some of the rights of the music. You know, obviously, there's always this battle with uh, money and, and royalties and this and that. So that, he abused her, and then he had the guts to come back and claim royalties. Yes. Oh, the this nerve. Is, that's the way. That's the, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. And again, I, I don't know. I, I think also the awareness of what can be done during that time with this type of condition, I think, was also a lot less than it was today. Perhaps when people act a certain way, the medicine for that was just to beat them or hit them and try to, again, as it, as I mentioned earlier, keep her in line. But I mean, obviously, this is not the way to go when it comes to people who have certain conditions. So, yes, love life was a, an issue. And we heard a lot of that in her music. Um, let's move on to fact number four. And this is also according to Mental Floss in Wikipedia. Her socio-political stance got much more visible mm. uh, and this you know during this time frame with her song she made a song about and this is a very famous song it's probably her most famous song it's a song about Mississippi and I can't say the name of the title because it was banned on certain radio stations partly because of the title the and when you read about it some of the stations say they banned it because of the title but it's not that wasn't really the reason why it spoke out on a lot of the uh, injustice and racism that was going on during this period of time in the U.S. She wrote that song in about 20 minutes, and it was out of frustration and anger. At that time, there was a, a killing of a uh, prominent uh, civil rights activist, and he was killed coming home one day, and he just got shot. And it was, a, it was blatant. The person that did it, he was very open about that he did it, but because um, the jury is all white and the Ku Klux Klan pretty much dominated that state, he got off. 
Oh. And so that was, and so they tried to rush him to the hospital and the hospital that he, they sent him to because it was the closest was an all white hospital. So he couldn't get service there in time. And so he ended up dying. So that was big news at the time. And also that you had the, the Birmingham church that was bombed where those, you know, four girls were blown to pieces. And that was also done by, you know, white racists. It was a time where there was just a lot of things going on. And she encapsulated that into this song. And it was just, there was a lot of anger there, mm. but it was something that a lot of people felt all over um, the, the country. So it was banned. Even some radio stations broke the records and sent them back to her record company. <laughs> it was boycotted in some you know stations. And so it was just really, really, it took a lot of guts to do that for an artist because most artists want p- appeal. They want attention. They want people to like. Yeah, music they want popularity. So they can get popular and they can become more successful. But for her, she didn't use her music for that purpose. For her, it was more to send a message and to kind of uplift the morale of obviously the people that needed it at that time. So she ended up leaving the United States and she lived in Barbados for a while. Some people said it was because out of frustration for, with America. Also, uh, t- taxes. She boycotted taxes because <laughs> <laughs> because of the um, the you know America's intervention in Vietnam. And so, yeah, also racism in the music industry. And then from there, she moved to Liberia. And that was after meeting a really famous uh, singer from South Africa. She was kind of like the biggest musician um, in the, uh, I want to say, even in the African continent it was Miriam Makeba and she influenced her to come to Liberia so that's when she you know went to Africa and she ended up meeting uh, Nelson Mandela and so from there she just kind of went all over um, different parts of the world is it ringing any bells for you over there, Mr. Liu? I think so. Uh-oh. I think so. <laughs> right. But I'm not sure like I'm 100% correct so I'll listen for more clues. All right, all right. Uh, she had a few other notable songs that made some statements, and one of them was Why the King of Love is Dead. And obviously this was around the time that um, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, and that was when he, you know, th- I mean, this this man was a giant, and he was pretty much a voice for nonviolence and humanity coming together, yet he was still assassinated. Not because he had a dream, but because he woke up from it, and he realized that it wasn't working out. Mm. And so... The narrative changed, and so that's why he was killed. Um, She had another really famous song, again, to uplift the people who were, you know, taught that they were not good strictly because of their skin color. So she made a song called Young, Black, and Gifted. And this was a very famous song that was quite prevalent during that time as well. Um, There is another song that's played in a lot of movies and it's called Strange Fruit. And I'm not sure if people have heard this song, but it is a really, when I listen to it to this day, it gives me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And it's out of the depiction because it's this chilling depiction of what it was like to witness a lynching. And this oh. is when, you know, someone is hung to death. So this song also um, made her quite famous. And it, she's, she didn't sing it originally. This is, it's a cover from uh, Billie Holiday, which is another very famous, prominent singer. But yes, her, her activism wasn't always welcome. As I mentioned, she her, her some of her music was boycotted. Her popularity diminished. Venues didn't invite her to perform. And so she didn't have a lot of top number one hits in the United States for this reason. But she pressed on even after the civil rights movement. 
And so this was um, this was her thing. This was her drive. And because of that, and we're moving on to fact number five. This is the last fact here. She's released over 40 albums during her decade spanning career. And she's gotten, you know, later in life, of course, 15 Grammy nominations. She's never had a number one due to the reasons I mentioned before. But, you know, she's influenced a lot of greats in the U.S. like Roberta Flack, Aretha Franklin, uh, Rihanna, Alicia Keys, Christina Aguilera, Lauren Hill. John Legend, Kanye West. I mean, and the list just goes on and on. Her music are on a lot of Hollywood films like uh, Miami Vice, uh, Sex in the City, The Watchmen, Any Given Sunday, and more and more. I mentioned she was international. She lived, she had homes all over the world. She was in New York, of course. She lived next to a prominent leader named Malcolm X. Yeah, she lived right next door to him. And she was in Liberia, Barbados, England, Belgium, France, Switzerland, and the Netherlands. And she had homes in all of those places. And she never moved back to America. She stayed abroad for most of her career because of, again, yeah, the friction that she had back home. And she died in her home in southern France in her sleep. And it was due to a long-term battle with breast cancer. So, yeah, not a very fun-filled story, but a huge icon in blues, jazz, maybe a little bit of R&B. I think she's, um, you know, she's kind of a mixture. So, yeah, um, I, I think that's pretty much all I have, Mr. Liu. So I'm going to turn the stage over to you. If you had a guess from everything that I've shared about this person, who would you say she is? Uh, I'm so afraid I'm going to get this wrong. I think Because you I originally had one person and I thought... Yeah, I'm probably going to get this right. But uh-huh. then at the last minute, you mentioned that she is already dead. So the person, <laughs> the person I had in mind is still alive and still kicking. Alive. So that's definitely wrong. Oh. So let me guess. Okay, I'm going to give you uh, one more hint. And this might help you a lot because you are a huge fan of popular anything, music, media, film. So there was a biopic made about this particular artist, but due to the selection of the actress, it caught a lot of problems and the the film didn't do well. And it was panned by critics and the family of this artist because of the person that they chose, even the the actress. And I, I, I can't name the actress because she's also very big. Um, but even the actress apologized for taking the role. So it's a it's a film that came out in 2016. So that's a Ooh. another another clue there. <laughs> oh, I feel like I should have gotten this right. 2016. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the clock's ticking. Who do you think? Uh, <laughs> I really don't know. Well, guess, Can I guess though? Yes, of course. Give a name. Etta James. Okay, Etta James. Wow, that's that that that's a good guess. Why don't we hear what the judges have to say? Mm, I am so sorry. So close. It's in that realm. Okay, this time frame, and the the two did make music around that same era. But the artist that I have for you today is Nina Simone. Oh. <laughs> Nina Simone was originally named Eunice Waymond, and she was an American singer, songwriter, pianist, and civil rights activist. Her music included styles such as classical, folk, gospel, blues, jazz, R&B, and pop. 
Simone is regarded as one of the most influential recording artists of the 20th century jazz, cabaret, and R&B genres. According to industry insiders, she was a pioneering musician whose career was characterized by fits of outraged and improvisational genius. She broke the mold, having the courage as an established black musical entertainer to break from the norms of the industry and produce direct social commentary in her music during the early 1960s. And I got tracks that I would like to share from this phenomenal singer and activist. Uh, the first one, and it's been done again and again and again by a lot of different musicians. The first track I have is called Feeling Good. Next, I got a track called Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. And to me, this song sounds a lot like this artist is addressing the anguish of what it's like to be bipolar, but could also apply to everyday folks as well. And that will be followed by To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. Check it out. Birds flying high, you know how I feel Sun in the sky, you know how I feel Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel It's a new dawn, it's a new day It's a new life for me, yeah It's a new dawn, it's a new day It's a new life for me Fly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean? Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. shine, you know how I feel, send all the pine, you know how I feel, oh, freedom is mine, and I know how I feel, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new Sometimes you see that I'm mad 
and that was to be young gifted and black by nina simone yeah this was a really good track i was reading a lot of the comments on youtube from you know some of the you know because this that's another place where you can listen to a lot of free music and a lot of comments came back where people were just really happy that nina wrote this song and a lot of grandmothers and mothers today listen, had their kids listen to this song because it's a, it's a sense of pride, especially in a country where, you know, being black historically was never a good thing. And it was quite negative. So hearing something like this was kind of a beacon of light for, you know, a lot of people, especially young people growing up, you know, where they're really vulnerable. So this song is, um, you know, beautiful. I could feel the church vibe in it, the gospel, but also just, uh, yeah, the positivity. So, yeah, beautiful track. Yeah, I really appreciated that as well. And as you said, she didn't have much of a presence in China. So I have to confess, I didn't know the song. Mm. But um, the first thing I'm going to do today after recording this show is that I will check it out. Mm. And I will listen to it very carefully. Nice. So once again, I really appreciate the lesson. But I think it's so important that we talk about racism because it's still very prevalent. And especially a concept that most people don't know about here in China. It's not just um, your basic racism. There's lots, lots of different shades and degrees mm. when it comes to racism. For example, right. colorism. Right. That's a concept a lot of people don't understand. Right, right. Absolutely. And, but you heard that first song, right? Feeling good? <laughs> yeah, feeling good. Even though I didn't guess her right. <laughs> But anyway, man, so who do you have for us today? Okay, like I said, it's an iconic Chinese singer, and she is that famous because she is dubbed like the Chinese version of Janet mm. in terms of, you know, she also has a very famous sibling, and they are considered by many people as the Chinese version of Janet and Michael, although they have completely different music styles. But okay. in terms of popularity and uh, being well-known, they are right up there. Wow. Okay. Jeez. That's that that raises the stakes for me over here too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the first clue. She is one of the OGs when it comes to singing competitions. Mm. So she won two folk songs competition back in 1978. Okay, 78. <laughs> so she's back. That's yes. before my time. Yeah, and officially started her singing career in that year. And that's according to Baidu Baikue. Okay, all right. <laughs> singing competition queen. Okay. And the second clue, she recorded her debut album in 1979. That was too famous, so I'm not going to mention the name. <laughs> but okay. I will tell you this. In the same year, she recorded the theme song for a popular movie hmm. called Your Smiling Face. And that won her a Golden Horse Award for Best Theme Song. Okay. So she won in the Best Song category. Oh, okay. Best Movie Theme. Okay, got category. it, got it. Wow. So that was according to IMDb. Okay. And here comes the third clue. She released her first English album called Stories okay. back in 1987. And her second English album is called Whoever Find This, I Love You. And that came out in 1988. <laughs> I'm wondering where she got the inspiration for that title. It was like, I mean, because it's an English album, right? So is it, was it released in China and in overseas? Or was it just released in China? I'm wondering about that because, I mean, if it's released in... I think it was released worldwide, especially in Asian countries and regions. Okay, okay. Because these two albums 
remain the best-selling English albums by a Chinese artist in Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Malaysia、mm. to this very day. Wow. Okay. So then, it's a big hit. So she must love these places. Then, I'm.、Hmm, I'm, I'm. I haven't heard of this album. I don't hear America on that lineup. But、um, okay, all right. I'm, I'm going to keep listening. Okay. So just to be clear, the fact that these two albums remain the best-selling English albums by a Chinese art- artist in Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Malaysia to this day.、Mm-hmm. That's according to Sina Entertainment. Okay. Sina is a very famous portal website right, here in right. China. Yeah. And the next clue, I have to say, she is a language genius. Okay. Because besides English, she also recorded a uber popular Cantonese song with a fellow superstar. Why do you call it an uber popular? Uh, because it's more than just popular. <laughs> it's uber popular. <laughs> okay. And、uh, here's another extra hint. This male singer who recorded the duet with her,、mm-hmm. he appeared on this show already. Really? Yeah. And、mm. interestingly enough, he is one of the members of the Taiwan version of the Four Heavenly Kings. So I'm thinking it might be Dave Wong, because we just covered Dave Wong, and he's part of the Taiwanese. Uh, Heavenly Kings, right? Yes, but I'm I'm not gonna say whether that guess is correct or not. <laughs> okay, all right. All right.、So, or maybe Chiching, because that you mentioned Chiching and Dave Wong, so it must be somewhere along these lines. But okay, all right, all right. No, I mentioned that guy already appeared on the show, but、okay. I didn't say that I mentioned him. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, that song was so popular because it was used as the theme song for a TVB series.、Okay. I did mention that TVB series were like super popular, and everybody watched those TV shows. And that was a wuxia kind of TV show. Okay. And I couldn't mention the name because it was too famous. Right, right. Now, what year was this? Uh, 1995. 95. Okay, so that's probably a little bit before Jay Chou. Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> But anyway, the fact that I mentioned this song was because it was in Cantonese,、mm-hmm. and it was such a fast tempo song. Like she had to deliver the lyrics in such a fast way.、Mm. But Cantonese obviously wasn't her native language. Oh wow! But as someone who speaks Cantonese, I can tell you that she completely nailed it. Really? That's why I say she's a language genius. And also, the first time I heard her first English album, I was shocked. Wow. Okay. Her English is that good. So she's a polyglot. That's amazing.、Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And the next clue, it's also very important.、Uh-huh. In 1998, she swept Golden Melody Awards. So that's like the Chinese version of Grammys. Okay. She swept them, meaning she took, she got all the awards.、Uh, the major awards. <laughs> she got Best Album Producer. Best female singer,、mm. best album, among others.、Wow. So that's a huge clue right there. She's not just a great singer; she's also a great producer. Okay. And the album that helped her sweep the awards had a very distinctive title. Okay. I'm not going to mention the name, <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you that it consists of three animals and nothing else. Three animals and nothing else. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> doesn't ring a bell. Not for me. It doesn't. I'm gonna have to use my trusty、uh, phone, and hopefully the Wi-Fi will work, and I can find, <laughs> I can search something. Because yeah, right now I'm, I, I know a little bit about the Taiwanese Heavenly Kings, but a、uh, famous duo 
here in China. I'll have to definitely. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Speaking of duo,、mm. obviously her brother is also very famous. And here's a huge clue. Okay. You somehow already mentioned his name. I somehow already mentioned his name in today's show. Okay. Okay, there's three people that I've mentioned, and so ah,、oh, that's not enough time for thirty seconds. I only have enough time to look at one. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, if you still need more, here's one clue. All right. Besides her famous brother, we don't know much about her family because she has always been a very private person.、Mm-hmm. But we do know that she was married twice, and both marriages did not last. Her first husband was her classmate in UCLA. Wow! And she majored she came in my home state.、Huh? Yeah, and she majored in anthropology of all things. <laughs> and her second has husband has nothing to do with music, right? And her first husband was actually American,、uh-huh. but her second husband was a Chinese, and he is a recording engineer. Well, maybe I should say he was a recording engineer. I'm I'm not sure if he still does that for a living now. But he was a recording engineer, and he recorded her earlier albums. Okay, okay, so he had a hand in her music. That's according to Sina. All right. Well,、uh, that, does that bring me to the end of your facts? Well, I still have one more fact. It's a great fact. <laughs> okay. But I don't think it's gonna help you guess. <laughs> That's all right. So she's a well-known philanthropist. All right. She has been donating to many charity causes,、mm. and in particular, she once donated one hundred thousand RMB on an autism research project. Okay. In Shenzhen, she also visited those kids in person. So that left me a very deep impression because、uh-huh. you know a lot of people they just donate money, but she actually went to those places and saw those children. Yeah, it's different when you actually do something with your own hands, and you know it's not just a a donation, right? Because I mean, a lot of you know, some people say it's just you know kind of a tax write off, but to actually go out and do it on your own, it, it says a little bit more about the individual. Okay, well, yeah, you're right. That did not help me at all,、um, <laughs> but but I think that if that's your last clue, then I think I'm gonna need to take this 30 seconds to、uh, look somebody up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead、right. and do that. All right. Okay. Let's see here. Twenty.、Uh, <laughs> okay. Fifteen. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's not helping. That's actually making me more nervous. Ten, five, four, three, two. Time's up. What name do you got? Okay, all right. Well, before the show, you were able to give me just a pinch of information about this person because I'm a little bit disadvantaged. With the、uh, research, you know, because most Chinese stars, their information is in Chinese, right? So,、uh, in you know, obviously Wikipedia and a lot of our sources don't really have a lot of information about these stars. But earlier, you mentioned how this artist was a relative. Or it was a duo, and it was a brother and sister duo, right?、Mm-hmm. And then you even went further and said that it was someone that we've done on this show, and someone we talked about on this particular episode. So, I think these are really, really big clues. And I was just by a process of elimination, <laughs> I had to say, okay, Jay Cho, he's too young for this person. 
and Dave Wong is uh, I don't remember him having any siblings. He might, but I just you know it was just a guess. I didn't think that you know we he, you know we brought up anything about his sibling. And then there was another artist that we talked about in the past who he went to jail for a period of time and he had a sister who kind of helped him through that time frame by uh, maybe giving him a guitar or she's, you know, she was someone that kind of stuck by his side. I remember that from my conversation with Yun Chi way back in the day. Mm-hmm. So when I was able to look up something, a name came up. I'm not sure if it's right, <laughs> but uh, I think what name came up was uh, Chi Yi or Chi. Oh, uh, I forgot the name. <laughs> uh, Chi Chi Yu. Yes, that is correct. Congratulations. Yes, well done. Oh my goodness. And so of hard. course, the brother is Chi Ching. Right, right. Okay, yeah, you kind of dropped that on me. I, that was that set off a light bulb in my mind. So, yeah, I, I guess I should be thanking you pretty much for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> As we have talked about, uh, the artist is Chi Yu. She's a fantastic singer, musician, who has been at it for more than 40 years. Amazing achievement. Who is also a philanthropist who has a big heart. Awesome, awesome. And what tracks do you have for us today? I have two. The first one is Stories. You okay. Know, the song I mentioned when I first heard it, I was like, oh, so shook. All right. That was one. All right. And the second one is Windflowers. And this is a duet she did with her brother, Chi Ching. Nice. And it's in English. So oh, really? You will love it. Oh, man. That's what's up. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. But before we go there, Liu Yan, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Well, thank you for having me <laughs> on the show, TJ. And for those of you listening in, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Pop Muse. And be sure to tune in next time for another unpredictable episode. I'm TJ Reed. I'm Liu Yan. <laughs> Take it easy, folks. We will see you next time. I remember quite clearly now when the story happened. The autumn leaves were floating and measured down to the ground, recovering the lake where we used to swim like children. And the sun would dare to shine. That time we used to be happy. Well, I thought we were. But the truth was that you had been longing to leave me, not daring to tell me. On that precious night, Watching the lake, vaguely conscious, you said, our story was ending.
The rain was killing the last days of summer. You had been killing my last breath of love <laughs> since a long time ago. I still don't think I'm going to make it through another love story. You took it all away from me. And there I stand. I knew I was going to be the, the one left behind. But still, I'm watching the lake, vaguely conscious. And I know. Cannot break away. 
like the vapor in the desert. So, take a warning, son. Windflowers, ancient windflowers. Their beauty captures every young dreamer who lingers near them. But ancient windflowers. Ancient wind flowers. 